Hey guys, this is Mike Mahaffey, the old bastard BJJ guy, here for BJJ Mental Models. Back in my day, we had to walk uphill in the snow both ways to get to the academy just to learn some crappy technique from a random purple belt. You kids have it so easy, because now you can just subscribe to BJJ Mental Models Premium and get tons of great audio courses to learn new techniques, enhance your mindset, and entertain yourself. You can even get personalized rolling reviews from some of your favorite BJJ Mental Models coaches, including me. It's like having your own seminar, you spoiled little whippersnappers. So what are you waiting for? Subscribe to BJJ Mental Models Premium right now, get off my lawn, and go train. Hey, welcome to BJJ Mental Models, episode 53. I'm Steve Kwan. And I'm bad at jiu-jitsu. Me too. And that's what we want to talk about today. (laughs) BJJ Mental Models is your guide to a conceptual and intelligent BJJ approach. And normally, Matt, we end with a question. Today, I want to actually start with a question because it's kind of the topic of the whole episode. Right. So we got this comment. I want to say thanks for doing the episode on therapy. I suffer from depression and anxiety. Jiu-jitsu does help, but a lot of the time, I still feel like I'm not getting anywhere. I've thought about switching gyms again, which my current coach is okay with. He wants me to progress any way I can. I've been a blue belt for seven years. I recently got my third stripe on September, but I still feel like I'm going nowhere with it. I go to tournaments, and other girls ask me how long I've been a blue belt, and they give me weird looks when I say seven years. I've been having lots of problems with jujitsu lately, and I know it's me, but I don't feel like I'm getting anything or going anywhere. So, this guy needs to get promoted so he can get some chicks. <laughs> actually, it's a girl. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, that makes sense, actually. <laughs> but this is something that we've actually heard in a few different emails where people will ask a question, but it'll be couched in some sort of language about how, hey, I'm not good at jujitsu, or I know I'm not good at jujitsu, or I know I'll never be good, or everyone's better than me. And I actually hear this a lot in class too, when I'm, you know, you're training with people. Sometimes people include self-defeating language in their explanations of things. So they'll say, oh, I know this isn't working for me because I'm, I'm bad at this or sorry, or, you know, that it can be very, very tempting to kind of discuss this amongst, you know, within yourself and to share this and to just kind of get down on yourself. And it can become a very depressing and discouraging thought if you've really got yourself convinced that you're bad at jujitsu. Now, what I want to talk about today, Matt, is not to try to convince people that they are or are not bad at jujitsu. What I want to convince them is that it doesn't matter. And that's ultimately, I think, what the thesis of this episode should be, because I know this is a very, very common problem, and especially if you're already depressed. I mean, jujitsu is very much a pressure cooker situation, right? You are testing yourself in a very immediate and visible fashion, and it's easy to get down on yourself, especially if you feel like you're always getting tapped out or you're always getting beaten. And the reality is there are some people who are just going to have some degree of physical or natural advantage. I mean, we talked when we were talking to Rob about like how some people just have these incredible natural gifts and yeah, it is possible to, you know, to achieve greatness without them. But like, let's be honest, like some people just have like just great genetics for jujitsu. They just have the right body type or they have a better understanding of their body. Or for some people, athletics just come more naturally to them. Like, I mean, we, we've all been there where, you know, you're training for months and months or years and years, and you think you're finally getting the hang of things. And then some like first day guy comes in who barely knows anything and he's choking people out left and right. Like that, that does happen. And it's not always a big strong guy. Sometimes it's just someone where it just naturally clicks with them. Um, Or they're from a different background or or, have been doing athletics for a while. Or or just sometimes they're not. Like sometimes sometimes they just walk off the couch and some people, everyone has different strengths and weaknesses. And for some people, some things just click with them. It might be a sport. It might be a career. It might be a hobby. But some people, like everyone, I'm sure that if you look at your life and the things that you really enjoy doing, odds are it's probably stuff that to some degree you're good at. Um, Like, and anything that you enjoy doing, you'll probably be putting enough time into that you'll at least get decent at it anyway because there is that joy and that mastery so what I want to convince people of I'm not going to try to persuade people that know you actually are good at jujitsu because you not everyone's yeah not everyone is and not everyone is going to progress to the same level but what I will try to convince you of is that 
it honestly doesn't matter if you're good or bad, regardless of where your natural skill is, the path to progression is the exact same. And so these kinds of self-defeating thoughts aren't going to help you. The best thing that you can do is just come to peace with being bad at jujitsu and kind of just move on with your life. Yeah. And I'd also be curious to see uh, what this person like what they've sort of done to take the steps to actually improve? Like have they, are they just saying, I know, I know I'm bad at jujitsu and that's like, that's their, where their mind's at. Or are they critically thinking to the point where they think like, like if I was them, I would, I would write down on a piece of paper pros and cons. I would say, okay, I'm good at this, this, and this, but I'm bad at this, 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 and, mm-hmm. and then have a, like a framework or a direction of where I want to go with my training because that kind of critical thought is what leads to action right and and if you don't take action if you can't if you literally can't identify where you're good and where you're bad or maybe you can't uh which makes total sense but maybe your instructor can't identify where you're good and where you're bad um then that's not a good sign that you have good instruction like really really you need to develop uh that type of critical thinking where you can see that and see okay well i know i'm good at this but my guard's always getting passed okay what can what things can i do to get my guard you know harder to pass and like i said hopefully you have an instructor that can sort of guide you along the right path yeah because six six years at blue belt is a long time yeah but that said i mean it's I've certainly heard of that. I've heard of people who have blue belts for, sure. for 10 years. That could yep, that does not that necessarily too. even mean that you're bad. It could mean a variety of things. I mean, if you switch schools or you haven't yeah. been training consistently or there's just something your instructor wants to see that you're just not there you're not displaying for whatever reason, like that can artificially hold you back. Um I also know people and Matt I think you can relate. Sometimes people who are too good get kind of artificially held back because the instructor gets this reverse psychology thing going on where they don't want to promote this person too fast. So they kind of slow them down intentionally. Like there are, this happens a lot with competitors too, especially because a lot of the time you want to be competing in the more junior division. So it is often the case that sometimes the people who are really good at jujitsu get promoted slower. That is not totally unheard of. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that it's, it's easy to say this once you get black belt, but I think that people put a lot more, a lot of faith and a lot of importance into how quickly they get promoted. Whereas really that could not be further from the most important thing that you need to worry about if you want to be good at jujitsu. Like yeah. I, I'll, I'll tell you that like the people who tap me out very rarely, is it actually a black belt? Like usually if I get tapped out, it's probably a purple or a brown belt. Like the black, the having the belt doesn't actually really make any meaningful difference. No, but I know that when you have a colored belt or a white belt, no matter how much you're aware of this, you're probably going to be counting those stripes, right? And counting those promotions. I mean, I, I remember, especially when I got my white belt, like I was like counting to the day when I thought I was going to get my promotion. And if it was so much as one day overdue, I'd be sitting there thinking, I must be terrible at this. Why isn't my instructor, what am I doing wrong? Why is my instructor not promoted me? Why did this guy get the stripe before I did? And it's very easy to, um, get caught up in what your training partners are doing, but that kind of self-defeating thought isn't going to get you anywhere. Like the mm-hmm. example I give is if, if you ever want to win a race, you're not going to win your race by looking into the lane next to you and seeing how the other guy's doing, right? Like you've got to focus on your own path ahead and focus on getting better regardless of what's going on around you. It's it's all about self-competition. Like how how much better am I versus the person I was yesterday? Not how, how much better am I versus the guy next to me, but compared to where I was, how far ahead am I and how can I get to the next level? And also not to beat yourself up if you're not progressing as fast as you want, because you can't always control how quickly you're going to learn. But what you can control is how consistent you are over the long term. And that ultimately is the thing that's going to lead you to break through to the next level. Yeah, I'd be curious to know this person, like how often they train, you know, I get, I, did they mention they compete? I think they said at competitions, didn't they? Uh, I, I think she said that she was at competitions. I don't think she mentioned necessarily if she was competing there, but she did say that she goes to tournaments. So the implication I guess would be that, um, she's probably competing. Like, I, I, I mean, it's a case to case scenario, right? Uh, and the thing about ranks in jujitsu is it generally tends to just be the instructor's, uh, discretion, right? Like a lot of different schools have different standards, so depending where you train, um, you could be held at a certain belt for a long time or you could be moved up really quickly. It all kind of depends. Many instructors and, and schools have their, you know, very individual philosophies on the on the topic of promotion. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think it's it tends to be it's more a more effective system if you base it upon merit as opposed to time. Mm-hmm. But there's also people that just won't reach a certain level, and they might do things for the gym in other ways. They might help up, uh, help help in other ways. You know, maybe they take like a leadership role, or uh, they're they're a really good person, and they're not. You know, I would never give like a, a brown belt to someone who's bad. That just wouldn't make sense. But, yeah. But if you're competent and you can and you're helping out in other ways, and you've put in like ten years or something like that, you know, every, there are such a thing as different standards. I know. <clears throat> yeah, I know. Yeah. Rob again is a lot more black and white with this. Like he's told me straight up, uh, there's people at my gym that will never get to black belt. You yeah. know, and that's and that's fine too. I think that that's very uh, a very honest and real way to, to do it. And I think that it preserves the integrity of the art. And to be honest, to be honest, from an instructor's point of view, it's not the easiest decision to make because somebody will mm-hmm. be coming to your gym for like 10, 15 years and wondering, okay, when am I getting the black belt? And it's like, yeah, well, you know, you just haven't progressed to that point for, for whatever reason, certain people are very difficult to, you know, I, I, t- I, my advice is for this person to have critical thought, you know, write down ideas on a piece of paper, but there is people out there. There are people out there that just won't, won't progress yeah you know and that's kind of the (laughs) that's kind of like the frustrating puzzle for instructors to solve it can be really hard to do yeah i think that it again if you really want to progress like we talked about it's all about growth from discomfort and pushing yourself beyond your comfort zone but there's problems with that and number one some people just don't want to do that and i'm actually okay with that right like you can't go a hundred percent into everything in your life sometimes you just want to do stuff for fun and jujitsu people especially like competitive jujitsu people they often have a hard time wrapping their head around this but it's totally fine to just want to do something for fun and get to kind of a level and then just do it like for example I like to play video games. I play video games every once in a while. I don't like to play games that are like online competitive because I don't have a lot of time to play them and I suck at them and I don't like getting killed by all these people who are awesome at them. I just want to go in and be kind of bad at video games and play them for a bit and have a bit of fun. I don't want to be a world champion video game player. I don't feel motivated to put all of my time into it. It's just a hobby for me. And for some people, that's all jujitsu is. And I, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Like if you just want to get to the point where you're burning some calories, you're talking to some interesting people, you're blowing off steam after work and you're marginally competent at self-defense like hey jujitsu is awesome for you you don't have to be an elite level competitor to get value out of jujitsu um but that said there's always a way to learn the trick is that sometimes people get stuck and they don't know how to get to the next step so growth from discomfort is the way forward but sometimes you don't know where that point of resistance is like it it takes a lot of internal self-reflection to figure out where are my, where is the, the boundary of my ability? Where is my comfort zone and how do I get out of it? It's not always as simple as I just show up to the gym more often or yeah. something like that. That's not always the case. Yeah. Sometimes it can be a very internal thing that isn't easy to measure. I mean, the example that I, I like to give, you know, cause everyone has their own story. When I, when I was a white belt, I mean, jujitsu for white belts is usually pretty fun because every day you're learning something new and you're not expected to be good. So you can basically just be terrible and enjoy it still. All right. Um, and you don't even know what good looks like. So every day is a wonderful learning experience. That's beginner's mind or a horrible learning or experience. Horrible. <laughs> well, the people, the people who tend to think it's a horrible learning experience are usually the ones who quit. Right. Um, but if you are the kind of weird idiot like us who enjoys getting beat up, then, you know, you, there's such a, an exposure to new ideas, new information every single day. And you don't even really have the context to know exactly what good looks like. So it's not a problem that you're bad. But when people say things like, I'm bad at jujitsu, usually from my experience is people who are either blue belts or late into white belt. Because at that point, they're starting to understand exactly how hard this is and how good the next, like the top people are. And it just feels insurmountable. And especially at Blue Belt, there is a massive skill discrepancy level at Blue Belt. Just because at at that level, like any amount of experience can give you a huge edge. So some people at Blue Belts are just total killers and some people are pushovers right so and blue belt is a very depressing belt (laughs) you know it's in most places it's the belt you're going to wear the longest and it's also the belt where a lot of the people that you came up with are going to start dropping like flies there's Mm -hmm. a reason they call it the quitter belt right for me when i was a white belt i mean i loved being a white belt because there were no expectations and then i remember i got my blue belt and like the first day i got my blue belt i showed up to class and some white belt choked me out never would have bugged me before 
but I felt like just a total fraud. Like I felt like how could a blue belt, because you overanalyze these things. How, how could a blue belt or how could a white belt possibly tap me if I'm supposed to have this blue belt? And then before you know it, um, half of your buddies just start, they quit and you never see them again. And the other half, they double down and they go into the serious and they get better by leaps and bounds. And especially if you're a smaller and weaker guy, like you're kind of stuck here and you feel like, okay, half of my friends are gone. The other half are making me look terrible. Where do I go from here? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it wasn't until I got to really, I'd say brown belt that I kind of came to terms with the fact that it's okay to be bad and everyone's going to be bad. Like even the best people at the, in the world at jujitsu are bad in certain ways. Like it is very hard to be like good at things in jujitsu. If you were to ask me to like quantify what I am good at in jujitsu, I could count the things on one hand. Like if I were to define good as I can effectively do this against someone of my own skill and experience level, there's maybe like three or four techniques I can I could say, yeah, I, I can do that. The vast majority of stuff, like I'm not nearly good enough to pull that off. And I think most people are probably in that level or like they're Mm -hmm. in that kind of bucket. So, you know, just because you're not good at everything or you're having trouble remembering stuff, that doesn't mean you're bad at jujitsu. It just means that like you you have to narrow your focus and kind of carve off a path that works for you. Like in judo, they have that term, I think it's a takui waza, which basically means like my signature move. move. Yeah. So almost every judoka, after they get, you know, to black belt and beyond, they, their game evolves and funnels towards usually one, maybe two or three specific throws. There are like 60, how many are the throws in there in the, in the judo canon? It's either 64 or 69. There's a ton of throws. Most people wind up only getting good at one of them. Like good judoka are like professional wrestlers. They have one fight ending move and when <laughs> you see that is done. Uh, and really any martial art is probably going to be similar to that. So if you're bad at a million things, that's okay as long as you eventually are good at one thing and you can get the game into that one thing, right? Yeah. So I think that sometimes when people talk about how bad they are, they kind of overweight in their mind the things that are not working well and they kind of discard or don't pay attention to the things that are working well and they take those for granted. Yeah. Like when you say you're bad at jujitsu, like my immediate questions coming from someone who for a living tries to help people get better at jujitsu. Mm-hmm. My immediate questions are, do you know about alignment? Do you know about mm-hmm. levers? Do you know about the phases of guard? Like where, why are you bad? How are you losing? Like, yeah. are you bad in that you can get to positions, but you can't finish? Or are you bad in the fact that like every round you're getting mounted, you're getting your guard passed, you're getting submitted every round. Right. And then th- from there, I would like to b- build backwards. Right. Like I would actually like to have a conversation with this person and, or have like a live Q and a or something like that, because I feel like we just, we can't really get an accurate, Mm -hmm. um, we can't really get accurate feedback without knowing who they are and what their game is and where they're going wrong. I think that's, that's where I would start. If I was in charge of helping this person a lot, it would be, okay, where are you going wrong? That's kind of the first question that pops to my head. It's like we were saying earlier, like it's, like if just, you're just bad, it's like, what does that mean? Yeah, really? there's, there's a wall that you're hitting and you need to figure out how to break through it. And the problem honestly is probably that you haven't identified what that wall is. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the thing to bear in mind too, is like being good at jujitsu does not mean like something as simple as like, oh, people never pass my guard or people never submit me. I mean, I'm a, I'm a black belt and like my guard gets passed all the time. Not everyone is good at every single thing, but after you've been training a while, you kind of wind up developing a game that might even be unorthodox or weird, but it will get you back on track and onto the top. So your game funnels to turtle. That's why you're always getting your guard passed. I know it's because like, I know, but it's just because that just is kind of how it worked out for me. Like I will often openly give up guard just because for whatever reason, I can sweep from turtle much easier than I can sweep from guard. I don't know why it could just be because everyone is so good at passing now, but that's just the way it works for me. So if you're quantifying, I'm bad at jujitsu by something like that simple as like my, my guards getting passed or I'm getting mounted or I'm getting submitted. Like you got to understand jujitsu is a more holistic thing than that. Yeah. Uh, you know, saying I'm bad is, yeah. uh, you got to be more specific yeah. about what it and, is that you're bad at. And what, what submission are you getting caught in? Like, are you getting triangled every round? If you're getting tri- triangled every round, clearly you need work in the closed guard to escape, but you also have a postural issue. Are you getting arm barred? Are, are you, you know, like, are you getting swept over and over from a certain guard? Like, are you giving up lever control? These are the questions that I would start to 
to use because I feel like this person, I don't know if they, did they say that they're a fan of the, the, the podcast and, and they've gone through the alignment stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have, they have. So that's where I would like start is I would be like, where are you giving up your grips? Where are Mm -hmm. you exposing levers? You know, do you understand base and, and center of gravity and these types of things? I think conceptually these, these ideas speak to a lot of people. Uh, and this person sounds pretty intelligent. So, you know know? what, I think there, so there is a, there's two terms that I think probably a lot of listeners have heard. One is uh, called imposter syndrome, which is just that a lot of the time people, particularly who are more on the intelligent or the competent side, they tend to like believe that they're not as good as they're supposed to God, be. God, I or, hate that guy. Yeah, or that they haven't <laughs> earned it. Um, it's, it's very, very That's common. very because, common. Because once you know, once you are smart enough to know what you don't know, it can be very scary. Yeah. Like if you're a total ignoramus and you have no idea how the world works, it's easy to be overconfident. But if you're smart enough to know how much you don't know, then you probably are not going to feel very good about yourself. Well, I know that it's pronounced ignoramus. Is it? Well, there you go. I learned something. I don't know. I always <laughs> thought it was. I don't. I. I don't know. I could be wrong. Um, but uh, there's another thing. I think some of you have probably heard of this. There's a, an effect that's called the Dunning Kruger effect, and basically what this says is that people who are less intelligent are normally like more confident in their beliefs and people who are more intelligent yeah. are normally less confident. So it's very, if someone comes up to you and they're like 100% confident in their beliefs and cannot be convinced otherwise, like that usually means that they're not self-critical enough or self-aware enough to ask questions and to challenge themselves. Whereas if someone is kind of constantly doubting themselves or they, they don't necessarily think that highly of themselves or they're very humble, a lot of that time that's because they're aware of how of what they don't know. Yeah. And knowing what you don't know is like one of the most important things. It's like almost excessive modesty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I know, I know a few guys, one guy in particular who's like pretty high level brown belt and he's always like, oh, I wasn't ready for my brown belt and I'm not, I'm not going to be ready for my black belt. I'm like... I'm like, motherfucker, you don't even know when you're getting your black belt. Yeah. <laughs> and I can tell you right now, like you're, you're good enough to wear that belt already. So yeah, like, who yeah. are you trying to fool? Oh, I'm just not ready. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I hate that guy. Uh, <laughs> how do you, how do you, okay. True or false. Um, do you think that at the white belt level, like when you started at white belt, it was more easy to measure growth and improvement as opposed to when you got to like, say purple, brown, or even black belt? Not necessarily. Um, I think it kind of depends on the situation. Like the thing I I have found, at least for myself, and I suspect for most people, is that growth is not linear. Like, it's not like you come in every day and you get better by like two growth units. You know, sometimes you train for weeks or months and you don't feel like you're getting better. And then sometimes like over a weekend, for some reason, your brain just rewires itself and you feel like you've gotten a hundred times better. So I... Yeah, that can happen. Like, I I just refer to those as light bulb moments. Exactly, exactly. So I I think the, the trick a lot of the time when people are really getting hard on themselves, like when you have this feeling like I haven't gotten better, I'm not getting better and everyone else is, you have to realize that like growth is not a straight line. Usually the way that growth works is it is a mostly flat line for a period and then there's a big spike and then there's a flat line and then there's a spike. So the thing I had to kind of rewire my brain to understand is that when I'm in that flat period where I'm not learning, rather than getting depressed about that and training less i need to embrace that and train more because Mm. the way that i the way that i used to interpret this is like look i'm just not good at this and it would demotivate me and i'd slow down my training whereas now i realize awesome i'm about to hit the phase where i get that learning spike don't know when it's going to happen but i know that if i just keep at it i will get to that point um at white belt you don't have any context to measure anything. So I couldn't really tell if I was getting better or not. By the time I got to blue belt, kind of, I, it was to the point where you've, you know, at that point you've probably experienced your first plateau and you don't know how to deal with it. But by the time you get to like brown and black belt, you're comfortable enough with this process that you know that like uh, a plateau, that's just business as usual. I just keep training and eventually it'll break and I'll get to the next level. Yeah. I'm pretty sure by, by the time you get to like brown or black belt, you've You've had a few rounds where you get beaten by lower ranks. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. It becomes sometimes for extended periods. Yeah. Like sometimes it's not like you have a bad day. Sometimes it's you have a bad month. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, you, know it, it should be, you should become conditioned to the feeling of failure in jujitsu. Like, yeah. and, and by failure, I don't mean like, oh, I, I am a failure. I mean like I've failed and now it's time to use that failure to motivate myself and rebuild and grow. And that's yeah. how pretty much all of my growth throughout my jujitsu career has been, it's just, you know, you lose and then you win a bunch. And then, you know, there's those days that are really hard and you lose. 
Um, if you come away thinking that you're, you suck at jujitsu, it's pretty hard to come up with a positive or a direction as to where to improve with I suck. But if you, if you say I, I suck at this, and this keeps happening to me, but I'm also good at this. That's a, that's more of a, not only is it just more positive overall, but at least it gives you some direction, you know, things, it identifies strengths and weaknesses. And I think that's always a, a more critical approach to a problem that needs to be solved as opposed to just, okay, the problem is now this I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm basically never going to solve it is what I suck says. So that's, that's actually one of the hallmarks of a growth mindset is if you have a growth mindset, when something, when you fail, you look at the failure as something that happened that you can address. If you don't have a growth mindset, if you have like a scarcity or a fixed mindset, um, instead of looking at it as some external thing, you look at it as an unchangeable part of your character. So if you have a growth mindset, you would say, man, my arm bar is not very good. What can I do? How should I practice to improve it? Yeah. If you have a fixed mindset, you you might just say, I'm not good at arm bars or I'm not good at jujitsu or something like that. Yeah. So you kind of have to pull this assessment of failure. Like it's good to acknowledge you failed or that you're not good at something, but you have to acknowledge that's not a part of who you are. And it's not something that is fixed in stone. It is an event that happened and you can measure that event and you can change how that's going to happen next time. Um, but if you think that like, this is a reflection of your character, then that becomes a very hard thought process to break out of. It becomes like a self-defeating mindset. Yeah. And, and, and to your point, like it's saying it's a reflection of your character, it might even be a reflection of your physical being. Like you might say, I'm bad at triangles because I have short legs, mm-hmm. but in reality, you might be able to do triangles just fine. It's just that you've, you've now assumed that you can do a triangle as good as anyone can do a triangle Mm -hmm. and so it doesn't work but you might be missing a huge crucial step or you you know if you're satisfied with the knowledge you have and you're not getting results and you just admit that you're satisfied and you say okay i'm not gonna i'm not gonna pursue this anymore i'm not gonna like try and try and think about things that i can improve i just i know how to do this and it just doesn't work for me then you're never going to improve but if you if you refuse to have that attitude and you say no i know that this person's really good at triangles so i'm gonna i'm gonna check out and see what they do or even just like you know what i would do is i would go to like the danaher videos i'd check out the danaher triangle system and and uh you know bring a book and try (laughs) try and watch as much as i can (laughs) i'm sure you're gonna get a lot of details out of it. Like how, to what degree are you applying yourself? Are you, do you, uh, do you admit that, Hey, maybe I don't know everything about triangles. Maybe if I study, I can actually use my legs to do a triangle. Or do you just think I know the triangle as best as, Rafael Mendez. Yeah. I can do it as good as him. So if I can't do it, it's because of my legs. Yeah. Like you're almost creating excuses for yourself. And, you know, anyone who's serious in jujitsu or plans to have a longevity in jujitsu, especially anyone who's planning on competing in jujitsu, that's not the right mindset. To yeah. Have. Yeah. That's something that my instructor used to relay. Uh, my, my instructor is a black belt under De La Hiva, And Ricardo De La Hiva apparently used to say like, look, if you've been trying something for like two or three weeks, that's not enough time to say that like I this is not the move for me. You need like if you've been trying something for two or three years and you make the decision that this is not for you, then fine, you put in the time. And, and the reality is like like we talked about earlier, everyone's going to be better at some things than others. So a- actually pruning out the ineffective parts of your game becomes very important at higher levels but like don't assume that just because something doesn't work on day one that you're bad at it like a lot of the time it just means there's there's levels to go um and and not again not everyone is going to be good at every single thing like it is okay if you are not like a 10 out of 10 at every single move in jujitsu no one will ever get to that point so it's part of it is understanding that like you might be expecting more of yourself than is reasonable. Uh, and, you know, there's always room to improve. It's never a situation where it's like, mm-hmm. I'm, I literally know everything there is to know yeah. about this and I still can't do it. It's like, no, if you, if you still can't do it, odds are there's mitigating factors. Yeah. Throughout my journey, you know, trying to learn as much as I can, but also learn how to teach, uh, as much as I can and try and have the most knowledge I can as an instructor, throughout the years, like before I got my black belt, there would be times when I would be like, okay, do this technique like this. Like, this is how, this is the best way to do it because of this reason. And it's like a valid reason, but then you realize, okay, like people are doing it a different way for certain reasons. Like maybe, maybe their opponent's giving a different reaction or there's a different variable that requires you to adjust the technique. Right. So just to, to shut your mind off to, to other techniques, 
is just generally not a good idea unless it doesn't follow the alignment concept. If it's mm-hmm. if it doesn't follow the alignment filter, then I don't I don't use it. Mm-hmm. But I try to always look at everything that I see now with an open mind and think, does that work? And if my first reaction is no, that's not going to work. My my second reaction is okay. Is there any scenario where this would work? Like, mm-hmm. is there any possible? reaction i could get where this makes sense and mm-hmm. then i would make a better decision because a lot of the time you you might think you know the, uh, you know everything there is to know about an arm bar or whatever but then all of a sudden again you'll have a light bulb moment you'll be like oh there is more to it like why didn't i see that before and then i had a few of those experiences and then i'm like you know what i think i'm going to approach this a little bit differently i think i'm going to approach this like i just i don't know you know even the things that i'm really good at i'm i don't know at all i'm 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 leaving my mind open to be shown more stuff. And as a result, you can gain more. Yeah. If you're able to come into these situations with beginner's mind and just like embrace that you don't know everything, then it becomes a lot easier to accept and absorb the knowledge that that is presented to you. Whereas if you have expectations that you're supposed to be good or that you're supposed to be better than you are, then your mind is kind of already in a defensive state and your brain is probably trying to protect itself more than anything. It's probably trying to protect it, your ego. I mean, when I, I kind of went through like a crisis of confidence when I was at Brown Belt because I kind of went through this too, because I started, you know, as especially as you're getting close to your black belt, I kept kind of feeling like, man, I just like, I feel like I should be better. I feel like I'm getting these promotions that I don't deserve. And it, it does get really depressing and it gets to the point where if your ego is involved, you'll stop engaging in situations that could challenge your ego. Like, you know, if someone's a really tough role and you don't want to look bad in front of them, you might kind of duck those roles, for example, or if there's an area of your game that you know is weak, you might avoid that. But the, the trick is if you want to get good at that stuff, you've got to go headlong into it. So it's kind of like a, like a mental hack. You have to become aware of the situations where your ego is pushing you away from something. And then you have to do the exact opposite. Um, I I read this book by uh, Grant Cardone, where he was talking about this. And he basically said that like his philosophy is if he ever catches himself and realizes he's afraid of doing something, he'll drop everything and do that thing right now. Mm -hmm. So, so that because otherwise, like, (laughs) you know, it's not even for him, it's not even just sufficient to mentally commit to doing this later. He's like, look, I'm going to figure out if I, if my brain is going to try and convince me not to do this thing. I'm not going to give it any time to do it. I'm going to drop everything and just do it right now. Kind so of, kind of like approaching the the hardest tasks first yeah. or the most intimidating tasks first. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like he's trying to create a situation where he knows that the growth is going to come from things that are scary. And so, but as soon as your brain realizes that you immediately jump into this, I mean, in the context of jujitsu, where this often happens is there might be someone at the gym that you don't want to roll with because you know that they're just bigger and better than you. And you don't want to get smashed in front of everyone. Nowadays, whenever I catch myself, like being afraid to roll with someone or just thinking like, oh, this is going to be terrible. I just immediately go and I try and roll with that person. And it just makes things way better than if you try to duck that situation. Yeah. I find competition is the same thing too. Like it could be, um, you know, you're, you're intimidated to compete and then, but you know that after you compete, you're going to get growth out of it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and then, you know, leading up to the tournament, you're dreading it or whatever, but you still are just going to charge right at, at the challenge. I mean, I, I think to have that growth mindset in competition, if you, if you're going to compete a lot, you have to, you have to be ready to fail and feel that feeling of failure, feel the feeling of losing. But then at the same time, what you get out of that experience is it exposes a hole in your game. Right. And also just remember like, what's that saying? Like, uh, with, I think it's Kano who said it, where he says, you know, if not for Mortal Kombat, Jigoro Kano, he says, you know, are you sure it wasn't Kano from Mortal Kombat? Cause it could have been sure. Uh, you know, he says you're a, what I don't know the exact quote, but he basically says like, you're be thankful for your opponent because without your opponent, you, you know, you, you have nobody to, uh, nobody to give you an opportunity to improve upon or something like that. Right. So that's a good way to approach competition. I mean that some people use that saying, or they, they shit on the saying, which is you either lose or win or you learn, right? That's yeah. it. But, but it, there is truth to that. It, it is true. I mean, it, it, one of the things that you have to really like rewire your brain to do is to learn to get happy and excited about failing. Um, that's so true. It, it is a, true. Such a weird way to put it. It is you're right. like, cause you're a f- failure is something that you fear and you try to avoid by default. But especially if you have this mindset where you feel like you're bad at jujitsu and that's kind of depressing you, giving you anxiety, you feel it's holding yeah. you back. Like it's weird, but you have to kind of like 
learn to be happy when you encounter something you don't know or that you're bad at and be like, awesome, this is a learning opportunity. Great. Because yeah. it once you know that, once you identify it, that is something you should celebrate because it means that you know what you need to work on. And yeah. a lot of people have no idea what they need to work on to get better. If you are able to hit that limit and figure it out, rather than being hard on yourself, be excited because now you know where to focus. Yeah, I, fi- I find that jujitsu kind of gives you that that courage and that uh, addiction to adversity. Um, that's, it's such a big part of our art, right? Like every day you're going in there into training or into competing and you know that you're in for tough times, but it's kind of like after a while you get addicted to that rush, you get addicted to the feeling of, like you said, failure, right? Uh, that's, that's a huge thing for me. I, I don't really like training sessions where I beat everyone. It's kind of, you know, like obviously it feels great, but, but I realize at this stage that, is this, I, I search for false positives. I search for any sign of like an ego. Like, am I enjoying this too much? Yeah. I almost wish that I would go to a training session where like I get beat up because then I know, okay, I can work on this, this, and this. Okay. I remember when, the, when I'm, when my guard got passed here and as a result, I could, I could have made this adjustment, right? Like I, I, I would, I'd like for our, um, for our friend who's writing in to, to sort of look at it like that. Like, again, just to reiterate, where did you fail? Like, yeah, what, yeah. what, what, at what part did you fail? Is it the same thing that's happening over and over again? And I also realized on a separate note that, you know, the, the pressure of people asking you, how long have you been a blue belt? Like, that's not fun to be like, no, six, seven years or whatever that, that can be kind of embarrassing, but also realize that I think everyone who does jujitsu knows that everyone's on their own journey and that it is nothing to be embarrassed about, even though that is your natural, uh, like feeling. Yeah. I mean, I, I know people who've been like purple belt for 12 years. Like, look, it's not a big deal. Like it's, it is what it is. It's not super common, but it does happen and it is what it is. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, whether it's right or wrong or whether you're good or bad kind of doesn't matter because the actions you're going to have to take to get better remain the same, right? You need to, consciously and openly identify the things that you want to improve on and you need to lean into those challenges and learn to be happy when you fail is kind of the the trick here um it's it's a tough problem to deal with for sure because it's but the thing that i like i like about this kind of uh about jujitsu in this capacity is that this is a skill set that jujitsu can help you learn that will really benefit you in all walks of life like especially if you want to talk about like career advancement or you know uh, like building a family or something like that I mean jujitsu is kind of a microcosm where you can learn these techniques and what you learn you can apply elsewhere in life like learning not to be afraid of failure is one of the most important things that I think you can learn and unfortunately I think it's things that uh, it's something that isn't really commonly taught but jujitsu is a place where it's like man if you want to survive you're going to have to learn that at some point. Um, No one goes through jujitsu winning every role and never getting their ass kicked, never getting injured, never feeling like shit. You know, everyone goes through that. Yeah. I I mean, it's funny, you know, you were talking about your, uh, you know, trying to keep the right mindset when you're training and trying to make sure that you're not uh, basically getting too comfortable and and propping up your ego because you, you had a good role or a good class. I used to measure the success of my class by like, how many times did I tap someone? How many times did I get tapped? Right? Like ideally I'd want to go in and tap everyone five times and I'd want nobody to tap, to tap me out. But now like, for me, a good class is I, I went in there with, I I'm not there, hurt. Yeah, there were, there were some specific things that I wanted to work on that I worked on. I, I trained with the toughest opposition that I could. Like I, you know, basically I put myself in the situation for optimal learning. I don't even really care if I actually learned that day or won or lost that day. Like I just care that I created the situation where learning could have happened because if I keep doing that, then after weeks and months and even years, right after that, the good stuff will happen yeah sure maybe i went in today and i i rolled with a you know the hardest and toughest rolls and i tried something new that i'm not good at and maybe i got smashed maybe i i don't feel like i'm getting better but i'm creating the situation where i'm going to get better eventually and then i just have to keep leaning into that challenge over and over again so you you kind of have to learn rather than getting excited and feeling good about yourself when you get a submission, you have to learn to get excited and feel good about yourself when you do the right process for learning, right? It's like that whole habits over results thing. It's not even important if you learned a lot today. It's more, did I create a scenario where learning is likely to happen? And then you just keep doing that over and over again. Yeah. One of the things I always ask my, uh, the kids at my club when they compete is at the end of the tournament, regardless of outcome, as I say, okay, 
go home and on Monday, I want you to tell me one thing you think you did good and one mm-hmm. thing you could have done better, right? So at least that, at least they get used to that loop of, of always cr- uh, critiquing themselves and trying mm-hmm. to identify strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. I think I, you know, that, that's such an important tool in jujitsu. And like you said, uh, that, that constant like need for adversity and almost getting comfortable with failing does help you so much in other parts yeah. of life. And it also makes you more humble. It makes you more aware of failure and also more, you know, if, if you're afraid of, uh, if you're afraid of failure, then you're, you're probably never going to try. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that's a big, that's a big thing that can happen is people fear failure so much that they don't want to try. But I find that that's kind of, you know, that, that, that nothing good comes from that, right? All that comes is regret from yeah. not trying something. You want to get to the point where you're addicted to that adversity. You look forward to that adversity, which is challenging to do because by default, most people are addicted to comfort, right? We want to be comfortable and we want to stay within our comfort zone. But if you continually put yourself into challenging situations, eventually you get addicted to that learning opportunity. And once you get to the point where you look forward to being challenged, you'll probably find that you're getting a lot better. Uh, and, and then you're measuring the right thing too, right? Like I, I would say, rather than measure, am I good at jujitsu? I would say, I would measure, am I doing the things that will create the most learning opportunities for me? Like, you know, because again, like we were saying, you know, you might be doing everything right. And, you know, some days you're just not going to have good days, but if you do things right and you create the situations where learning is likely to happen and you do that over an extended period of time, you'll get there eventually. Cause, and a big part of it is, is just doing something like that to rewire your mindset so that eventually you're in an optimal place for improvement. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, hope that answers your question. I mean, I'm going to pull a Rob Bernanke here and say that like, yeah, if if the writer here or if anyone else is having this kind of problem, I mean, it is kind of challenging to debug this over a, a podcast like this. So do write in like, we'd love to help you out on this. Um, you can, you know, you know how to get a hold of us. You can uh, contact us on our website through email. It's, there's a form up there. You can also go on Instagram or on Facebook and shout out to us. We do want to help you guys. So if you're having a specific problem where you feel like you're stuck in a rut or you've got that jujitsu depression where you feel like, like, hey, man, I'm the worst guy in my gym, you know, yeah, do, do write in and let us know. But also understand that like, it's nothing to be embarrassed about. Like regardless of whether you're technically the best or technically the worst guy in the gym, the process for improving and getting better is the same. And it's so important just for your own quality of life and mindset to master that process. Because once you get, once you know how to do that in jujitsu, you can apply that to really any walk of life. Mm -hmm. And if you do write in guys and you have a specific question or you say, you know, you, your whole thing is that you suck. Try and think about like, be, be specific. Say, you know, what happens to me is I keep getting caught in this position or I can't escape this position or I keep getting swept from this position or whatever, whatever is happening to you. I think very rarely are people going to be training for, you know, close, close, half a decade or even longer and, and just sucking at everything. Mm-hmm. Like usually you're, the, the problems will most likely be reoccurring. Also like, you know, how do you hang with other people of the same rank in your gym? Are people just flying by you in the, in the, in the promotions and you're staying still? What, what kind of a person is your instructor? Do, do they have a competition record? Are, are they, you know, are they legit? That type of stuff. So if you, the more specific you guys are, I think the, the more feedback we can realistically give you. Yeah. Yeah. And As opposed he, to just, I, I suck. Right. <laughs> and another thing to bear in mind too, is that just because you're losing in the gym, um, that doesn't mean that you're bad. Like I know a lot of people who, you know, they'll, they'll be like a blue or a purple belt and like, they'll get their guard passed by a white belt or they'll get smashed by a white belt. And then they'll be like, oh, I must be bad at jujitsu. I mean, look, it takes a long time, especially if you're a smaller person to learn how to fend off a bigger aggressor. Like it wasn't until I got to like brown belt where I would say like, I am totally comfortable fighting a bigger person. It is not easy if you're giving up like 50 to hundred pounds to beat someone. Like mm. you shouldn't be, if, if you're like much smaller and then the other person is just like smashing you due to pure strength, that doesn't mean you're bad at jujitsu. That just means that you're not there yet. And it takes like, it takes a long time. I mean, again, to, to my, what I was saying, it would take, took me like eight to 10 years before I got to the point where like, I'll fight anybody of any size and I'm not concerned. So it's just something that you have to bear in mind. Like make sure you're measuring using the right measuring stick when you say you're bad at jujitsu, because if, if you think that 
your individual performance on a few days is reflective of whether you're good or bad. That's not true. What, what is reflective of whether you're good or bad is the, the training process you follow to learn. Mm-hmm. And I, I always find that when I have weaknesses that I become aware of, I always try and seek out uh, the the best and the the best that I can like uh, of available on the topic. So if it's going to be like any of the systems, I'm either going to go to Bernanke or I'm going to go to Danaher. You know, if it's if it's uh, if if I want to get really good at like no gi passing, I'll check out what Gordon Ryan's doing. Like, keep in mind that there's infinite resources nowadays. Like compared to when I started, it was just like a few YouTube channels, you know, a few bootleg DVDs and stuff like that. Now it's it's the information is so. Uh, so plentiful that you really can look for anything you want. So it does take some, you know, it takes some effort to really apply yourself as the student. I would also be critical and sort of ask myself, you know, am I get, am I not getting better because I of something I'm not doing, or is it because my instructor is not able to help me get better? Like, I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with also critiquing your instructor in this situation. That could be the case. Mm-hmm. You could be training under someone who maybe doesn't have uh, the type of, technical knowledge that you need right or or maybe if everyone in the gym is at like a subpar level but they keep getting promoted nothing wrong with being critical of your instructor and you know who knows possibly thinking about somewhere training somewhere else yeah or it could it could even just be like a personality or style mismatch like it could just be that maybe your instructor is great maybe he's great for 90 percent of the other students there but the relationship that you have with your instructor is a complicated but very important thing. And even if they're technically a great instructor in every way, that doesn't mean they're the right instructor for everybody. So if I would say that if you've been training consistently under the same person for that long, like I think you're right to look at other instructors and and that isn't even an indictment of your instructor. Like different people just respond better to different, different instruction methods and different types of communication that that's just always the way it's going to be. And, uh, you know, Matt and I, we, we've talked about this in the past, how sometimes you really need to assess whether your instructor is holding you back uh, by accident and it's time to move on and look somewhere else. The best way in my mind to find out if that is the case is to just go and train at other places, like, you know, drop in at other gyms, meet other instructors, see if that experience of shaking things up um, changes things for you. Because I, I mean, I can tell you from experience when I left my first gym and went to the one that I'm at now, like, just the the quality of instruction was so much better. I learned so much more. The style just worked a lot better for me. Um, if your instructor is doing the kind of stuff that like isn't the jujitsu style you're interested in and their communication style is different from what you like and you know, it, it is very hard sometimes to to get maximal benefit in that situation. So yeah, I would say always keep an open mind in terms of the instructor that you train under. Uh, sometimes that's just the ticket is just train switch instructors and that'll fix the problem. Yeah, and just knowing where your goals are going like if you're if you're sure of what your goal is if your goal is just to improve a little bit every day that's good it's time to start making habits for that if you're if your goal is to you know go to a tournament and do really well or even win the tournament it's not going to be enough necessarily to just train jujitsu you got to start thinking about game plans you got to think about preparation Mm -hmm. does your strength and conditioning need work do you need to find do you need to go elsewhere to get better uh, roles or, or, you know, more suitable roles, people, different sizes, things like that. So, uh, definitely having some clear cut goals and just like more of what we're just been saying this entire episode about identifying the problems and the strengths and weaknesses is kind of the best place to start when you're coming up with a game plan to improvement. Yeah. And I I would actually also add on top of this that like never underestimate the importance of having the right mindset when you're training and you're competing. Uh, (laughs) I mean, yes, your physical attributes are definitely very important uh, and your experience is very important, but like the mindset that you go into a fight with can make or break it. Uh, You know, Matt, I'm sure you can relate to this. Some days, even before I go into jujitsu, I'm just like, I'm not feeling it today. Or man, I think I'm probably just going to get smashed today or I just feel off. And it's like, once my brain is already in that mode, nothing I do is going to break me out of it. And I'm just going to get just completely destroyed. Right. Sometimes even by like people way less experienced than me, but some days I go in there and I'm just like, I'm going to bring it today. I'm in a great mood. I feel like there's something I'm excited about something. Normally for me, that's the thing that means it's going to be a good day. If I go into class and there's something I'm excited about specifically working on or trying, like it, usually it's just a completely different me. I mean, I kind of remember one time I was watching, uh, I think it was the John Jones Vitor Belfort fight. And I saw some, I think it was that crazy Americana he did. And I was like, 
I am so excited about going in there and trying this, this stuff out. And so I went in there and I just ran a train on everybody, like even guys who normally kick my ass, right? So the mind, like in my mind, the mindset that you fight with is almost more important, actually definitely more important than the physical attributes that you bring. Like if you go in there with the right mindset, that can make all the difference in the world. So that's all the more reason why building a positive mind and a fearless mindset is important. Because if you, if you walk in with the mindset that you're going to lose, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. And then even worse at the end of training, if you did lose, because then it just reaffirms that, hey, you do suck. Exactly. Right. right? It just it creates like basically it creates a negative feedback loop. It feeds back into itself. I mean, that's the thing about mindset, right, is if you've got a really good positive mindset, when you succeed, it feeds back into the mindset and it makes it stronger. Same with a negative mindset. If you think you're going to fail and you do fail that negative confirmation bias is just going to feed back in and you're going to feel even worse about yourself. And it, I, I hope that if there's something that all of you got out of this episode, it's maybe some pointers on how to break out of those negative thought spirals. I would say that again, yeah, if you are specifically having this problem and it resonates with you and you're always worried about and feeling like you're bad at jujitsu, please do contact us with specifics because we'd love to help out. Um, yeah, let us talk to Matt and myself. We'll do what we can to try to break you out of that. Cool. Cool. Anything else you want to add on the topic, Matt? No, all good. Awesome. So just to recap what we talked about today, uh, we talked about self-competition. Really the most important measuring stick in jujitsu is yourself. Are you better today than you were yesterday? Whether you're better or worse than your peers is not so important. And worrying about that as tempting as it can be is not going to be conducive to learning. We talked about consistency. I mean, we all hit plateaus. Learning is not a linear line that goes up straight. It's not like every day you're going to grow by the same. Sometimes a long period of time passes and then one day you just break through that plateau. And the trick with jujitsu is coming to terms with that and understanding that when you hit that plateau, the solution is to lean in and to, you know, to get more involved and, and to train more. It's not to let that depression discourage you because if you start training less or you get more detached from jujitsu, it makes it even harder to break through that plateau. We talked about growth from discomfort. Really growth in jujitsu requires you to go to the area that you're not comfortable in and push yourself just a little bit beyond that every time. Um, if you're consistently getting um, crushed in certain situations or against certain people, the best thing you can do for your training is to train more in those situations or with those people. We talked about beginner's mind. I think a lot of the time, the reason people, especially more advanced people get stuck is because they get these expectations on themselves about how good they're supposed to be. And that weighs them down. It's a wonderful thing to learn to be free of that. And, uh, you know, they, they say when you get black belt, Matt, that getting black belt is like starting over at white belt again. And I kind of do feel that now because it is a liberating thing when you get that. Cause you're like, great, I'm in this whole new bucket now, but I'm the small fish again and I can suck at this. It's fine. I, you're, you feel like you're eliminated from that baggage. There's no more expectation at that point. So you can kind of just let that go and start over again. And I found that to be very, very beneficial. Yeah. And if you set up a situation where like, let's say you're a gym owner and a black belt, if you set up a situation situation where you're unbeatable it's not really sustainable because people are going to visit your gym they're going to be all different skill levels a lot of them probably going to be pretty high level and mm -hmm. eventually your students you know if you're doing your job right are going to attain a high level yeah. so to make it seem like you can never lose is not really a good or you know it, in terms of longevity it's not a good example yeah. too because it just makes people want to beat you up more yeah they're going to say okay well you know matt's unbeatable i'm going to go harder and harder and harder at him and that's not what I want. <laughs> I want to be able to do this. Uh, I want to pull decades, turtles. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, I have no, no problem losing to someone else in the well, gym. Well, not just that too, but like as a teacher, these, your students are kind of like your kids and you always want your kids to be better than you were, right? Like I want right. my, I want my daughter to be way more successful than I ever could even imagine being right. And when you're an instructor, you should have that mindset for your students. If you never want your students to tap you out, you're basically saying, I don't want my students to ever be as good as I am. And yeah. if, if that's what you're saying, what kind of instructor are you, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I say, yeah, be wary of any instructor who tries to, who never wants to be tapped out by their students. We talked about funneling. So in jujitsu, it's okay to not be good at everything. No one is going to be good at everything. The trick is to find the things that you are good at that resonate with you and then build game plans that funnel into those techniques. We talked about a growth mindset, which is in this context means that when you fail, you don't want to look at that failure as a part of your character. You don't want to say, I am a failure. You want to say, I failed this time. 
It's not who I am. It's an, uh, it's a measurable event that I can learn from. If you internalize those events and look at yourself and say, I am a failure, then that becomes very hard to break out of. I mean, it's the same thing, Matt, as, as parents that they tell us to do with our kids, right? Like you never, you shouldn't go to your daughter and say like, you're a bad listener or you're bad at math or something. You should just say, Hey, we could, we could do better on this, this time. Here's, here's what happened this time. Here's how we can get better. If you start making character judgments about them, they, they take that to heart. And that's a very dangerous thing to do to your kids. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, we talked about um, habits over results. So you're not going to get better every single day predictably. And if your measuring stick is like, hey, I'm learning, I'm getting better, I'm getting better. Like that is, that's important, but that's less important than, hey, am I doing the right process? Am I building the right habits for learning and creating the right learning environment so that that learning will eventually happen? So when, if you want to measure whether you, you're doing the right thing at class, it should be less about, Hey, how good did I do today on the mats? Did I, did I specifically learn something new? Is there something measurable that I can get, that I can say I got better at? What's more important is to say, I did the right process. I came in with a list of things I wanted to work on. I worked on those things and I pushed myself just a bit outside of my comfort zone. I tried new positions. I I sparred with tough competition. You know, that's having that process is more important than hunting the results because if you build the right process over time, the results will come. Mm Mm-hmm. Cool. Very well said. Awesome. Matt, any other closing thoughts on being bad at jujitsu? Are you still bad or did you get better during the last hour? You know, if oddly enough, jujitsu is one of those, and I'm, (laughs) I don't want to sound cocky or anything. I was never really athletic growing up. I played sports, but I was always like the worst on the team. Uh, I was a fat kid growing up playing hockey. I had to work really hard to get my skills caught up to the other kids I was never good at sports, but as soon as I started doing jujitsu, I actually felt like, uh, I actually noticed that I felt pretty natural at it. So mm-hmm. it was easy for me to, to continue to grow and to measure my growth. And I know a lot of people out there don't have this experience for them. Jujitsu is like how it was for me playing hockey. Like you're no, you don't stand out in the class and any successes you have, you have to work really hard for it. So I actually never felt like I was quote bad at jujitsu but then again again i don't think that i'm exceedingly good at jujitsu i think that compared to a lot of people i'm really good but i think that compared to a lot of people i'm also nothing so um you know i'm i'm neither cocky nor modest but it's all it's all a mindset thing right it's like what you're saying is in this case is look you could use relative comparison to measure yourself in any different way Mm -hmm. and in some situations it's going to prop up your ego. In some situations, it's going to hurt your ego. Mm-hmm. But both of those are not good habits, right? Like yeah. either way, you need to focus on yourself. That's how you're going to get better, right? Rather than trying to prop up or damage your ego, the most important thing is just create a cultivate an environment where you're getting better. Yeah, and be very critical. Be mm-hmm. be honest with yourself. You know, if you think you're good at jujitsu, start immediately identifying what you're not good at. Yeah, and yeah. know what you're good at. Like uh, that's that's a good thing to to have is to know where you what you're good at. But also, I think more importantly is to know what you're not good at. Yeah. And everyone is going to be good at something. Like, I mean, even if you're small and you're weak and you're always getting crushed, like I can tell you this, you're going to get really good at getting crushed. And that is a skill set. Like <laughs> yeah. there are a lot of small people that I train with who are basically unkillable. Like, yeah, I can maybe ragdoll them and throw them around and I might even be able to pass them, but they're just unkillable. Like they're always going to get out because they're so used to being smashed and crushed yeah. that I'll just never lock up a submission. And I mean, like every, that, that is a skill set. You can actually build a game around that. And it's a very important thing to understand, especially if you're interested in like the self-defense side of the art. I'm really good defensively at the third phase of guard. <laughs> no, Which but is, like my guard has passed and I'm purely surviving. But th- those <laughs> that are, is a real thing. Though. But that that is a real thing, right? Like some like I am very very good at turtle to guard recovery. Like I'm not great at holding my guard, but I'm very good at getting back from there. Like everyone has certain things that they're good at and sometimes they're not the most glamorous things that you want to admit, but once you know where your strengths are, then you can kind of build a game around that. And everyone does have something that they're good at. You yeah. just might not know it yet. Like I'm a pretty uh, mediocre judoka. But in the kids' class, I'm amazing judoka. 
<laughs> I love going. You can make anything work. I've always it's wondered. So good. I've always wondered, like, how many of these toddlers would it take to kick my ass? Like, I, I'm thinking. <laughs> if you're allowed to strike. <laughs> oh, I don't know how to strike, so I don't even know if that would help. But I'm, I'm thinking probably, like, five would prove to be a real challenge. Because at that point, it becomes, like, World War Z, where they just, like, swarm on you like zombies. Yeah. No. If, if, if you're allowed to strike, I'm pretty confident I could knock out three kids before the other two get some kind of lever controller dominant angle on me. <laughs> and then from there, I'm basically just punching behind my own head. Well, it also depends on how coordinated the kids are, right? Because if, if they can like assemble like Optimus Prime or like Voltron or something, right? If they can like, they all like work as a cohesive team, then you got a problem. But if yeah. they just swarm you independently, you might be okay. Yeah. Anyway, very insightful conversation here. So if, um, if this was helpful to you, again, please do reach out to us. We do, seriously, we do want to hear from you. You can go to bjjmentalmodels.com. There's a contact form there. You can also ping us on facebook and on instagram if you want to learn more about the concepts we talked about today again also on bjjmentalmodels.com we have a database there if you want to support us you can go to bjjmentalmodels.com slash store from there you can buy gi patches and you can buy shirts we really do appreciate anyone who supports us you can also go to bjjmentalmodels.com slash join sign up to our mailing list um, we'll send announcements and also some more detailed information than we provide on the podcast thanks again for listening guys i really hope that this did help and again one last time please don't hesitate to write in if you have any specific similar problems you want our help with all right guys enjoy the training see you later